Jewish audio on Chabad.org. With the help of Hashem, we are learning Baba Kama Daf Peibes. We left off on Daf Peibes, Amid Aleph, nine lines from the top of the Amid by the two dots. We finished learning about the ten Tanoim that Yehoshua was Mesakin, that he stipulated when we entered Eretz Yisrael the first time. So Behemshech, as a continuation, the Gemara tells us that Asura Takana is Tiken Ezra. That Ezra HaSoifer, who was the one that led the Jewish people into Israel by the second time, the Biyashniya, he also established or enacted ten Takanas. Takana number one, Shekoyden B'Mincha B'Shabbos, that we should read the Torah in public, Mincha Shabbos. Takana number two, V'Koyden B'Sheni Yobachamishi, that the Torah should be read every Monday and Thursday. We will f- see later, just to get a little taste of what we're going to learn later. If you could look inside, It's already going to be the Gemara explaining Takanas Ezra. So Toysvis brings out beautifully from the Medrash that Moshe Rabbeinu, you think it's Mamash to the side of where we're at. It's the third line in the Toysvis. The, the, the Amr bin Medrash. And he writes in the, in the Mercedes Ashas, the Medrash Tanchuma, that Moshe Rabbeinu Allah Vashalom Allah Bachamishi Lekabal Luches Achrenes. That the day of the week that Moshe Rabbeinu went up was on Thursday. And Viyarad, and the day that he came down, which was Yom Kippur, was Basheni, was on a Monday. And Vinisrat Zalohiyam Akrahim, and Hashem forgave the Jewish people. Ulafi Shahaya Eisratzin Ba'isa Ali Viyarida Kavu Basheni Vachamishi. So there's a concept of an Eisratzin. And Monday and Thursday is an Eisratzen because, as Toysvah says, because of the final Luchais being connected to Monday and Thursday. So coming back over here, this is ultimately going to be connected to Mondays and Thursdays. You know, today we say Vuhurachum uh, on Mondays and Thursdays. Most people react to it, Oi Vuhurachum. No, it's Gavaldic. Since it's an Eisratzen, so now is the time to ask Hashem for forgiveness. Back in the Gemara. Number three. And the Beisdin should adjudicate, they should sit in judgment on Mondays and Thursdays. Now, let's go to the Toysvis, second to last in the Amid, all the way in the bottom of the Amid. So Toysvis wants to clarify, As we learned in Ksubas. So it's not that he, he enacted that Beisdin should get together less times. If they were sitting every day, So answers that Rabbeinu Tam, or according to the Marshal, answers that he, They only got together in larger cities. Many people say that in Eretz Yisrael, there was a mitzvah, He's referring to Chutz that the, 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 there was some sort of, there were places where based in Bechlal didn't get together. And for there, he was misakin that they should get together every Monday and Thursday. And Bechlal the Zoyer says, when it comes to the Midas of Chesed and Gevura, these two Midas always have to be in the world. Elama, that Keshiyesh Din Lamata, when the people here are trying to do everything correctly, then Hashem takes the position of Rachman. 
when people here are overly compassionate and everything goes, then Hashem has to be the one taking the position of Din. So this is also connected to what we just learned that Besheni Ubachamishi are times of an Esratzen. Why are they times of Esratzen Milmaila? Because the based in Milmata, Kishyeish din Milmata, Yeshrachamim from Hashem. Back in the Gemara. The fourth enactment, the fourth takon of Ezra was umachapsim bachamishi b'shabos, that people should launder their clothing on Thursday. And as Rashi here writes, Lukavit Shabbos. In other words, either it took them a long time from when you started to clean it by the river until it dried. If you wanted to have clean clothing ready for Shabbos, you needed to start on Thursday. Other people say that laundering of the clothing took so much time that if people would do it on Friday, then they would have no other time to do anything else. This is important because if the whole kavana was for people to have clean clothing on Shabbos, then bismanenu, that we have machines doing all this, then you can do it on Friday. The point is that people should have clean clothing ready for Shabbos. Number five, that people should eat garlic on Erev Shabbos. If I'm not mistaken, the Me'idi is the one that writes when it comes to the Shum that Erev Shabbos doesn't mean Erev Shabbos Mamish. It means from Wednesday. As today, for example, in the Shir Shal Yoyim, we already say on Wednesday the Luchun Adanana. So Erev Shabbos means Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And as we'll see, that after Shabbos sometimes also doesn't mean only Matzah Shabbos or Sunday. It means Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Uh, number six, enactment number six. That when a woman is going to be breaking, baking bread, she should bake her bread very early in the morning. We'll see all reasons for that in the Gemara. The Takana number seven, that, that a woman should wear, like Rashi says, what would be called a breeches or some sort of undergarment under her clothing. Enactment number eight, that a woman should be chayfefes. Chayfefes either means to comb her hair. Other Rishonim interpret the word chafifa or chayfefes meaning cleaning, that she should clean her body or her hair, as we'll speak out more later. And only then, vitrevelis, only then should she go to the mikvah. If not, there's a possibility that there's going to be a chatzitza. Enactment number nine, that that perfume peddlers where makeup peddlers should be allowed to travel throughout all of the cities and villages, no one can stop them to sell perfume or makeup to women. And the final halach, uh, final takana, takana number 10, v'tikein, and here you have the words v'tikein again, tvila labali kerian, that if a man had a seminal omission, that he should have to go to the mikvah before he learns taita. And as we learn this together, that later they expanded this takana and they said, that you have to go to the mikvah, Balkeri has to go to the mikvah before he davens. And even though we learned that this takana was not accepted, and we're going to speak out later, we're going to learn the Toysavus Amit Beis from Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseda. Somehow they were able to undo this takana. There is a machlekes rishonim whether this takana was only undone, Benigea, the original takana of Limuda Toyra. That's for sure, that ain't divrei toira mekabel and tuma, and you don't have to go to the mikvah. Balkeri doesn't have to go to the mikvah before learning toira, but the art is showing him, whether it's the Rabbeinu Hananel or the Raivet, that Paskin, that understand that when it comes to the expansion of that takana, that a Balkeri cannot da daven, that was not nullified, 
and some Rishonim hold that Mi'ikiradin, a Balkeri has to go to the Mikvah before Tefillah, we don't paskin that way. However, as the Ramam writes, that the Minog in Shinar, and today we can say it's a Minog Hasidim, that people go to the Mikvah every day before they daven. And now let's go back and learn one Takana, each one by a time. Just to point out one more thing, that when it says Vitik and Tefillah Labalikarian, it doesn't say vitikin that donan dusheni bechamishi. Vitikin that nirmachapsu bechamishi b'shabos. No, the sugi began that there were ten takanas. The reason why they wrote an extra vitikin is because taka, this takana was not accepted. So we separate this takana from the prior nine that were accepted and they are kept. Begins the Gemara quoting the first takana. That sheyiu kaiden, that people should read taita, B'mincha b'shabes, mincha b'shabes. Why, says the Gemara? Mishvu, mishu, miyoshve keranois. Here you have a machlekes rishonim, what yoshve keranois means. Rashi says here, yoshve keranois, yoshve chaniois. Storekeepers. In other words, they are people that are busy making a living. And Rashi says, some of them during the week don't even have time to be in shul Mondays and Thursdays. So in order to afford them another opportunity, to make up that which they couldn't learn during the week because of their parnasa, we read the Torah twice on Shabbos. The Me'idi writes that Yeshve Karanis is more the way we learned it when we were in Cheder. Lady Geirs, people that hang out in the corners, you know, by the Siyum, you know, we speak about the Yeshve Karanis, that they're pushing, they're going to waste the whole Shabbos by doing something that is not necessarily connected to the Kedusha of Shabbos. So therefore, he was masakin that people should get back together to hear the reading of the Torah. There was a, one of the many nafkeminas between Rashi and the Me'idi is that sometimes there are people who are Yoshvi Karanis, the way the Me'idi writes, they want to just party the whole Shabbos. They, so what they do is they daven Shachris, they daven Musaf, it's not Hakidish and Shul, it's already time, it's early enough to daven Mincha, so they daven Mincha and mean Torah and then they go home. And if you do that, by the letter of the Lord, they're fulfilling the, the, the chiv of davening mincha with the minyan of hearing the Torah. But if, if the Me'idi's interpretation, interpretation is to be accepted, then they're going against the whole spirit of the Takana. Because the point is, is that the, you know, when other people, they make a party. They make a party and they get chicken and they go to sleep. Halavaya, they go to sleep. The whole point of Shabbos is that even though there's a mitzvah to have oinik Shabbos and we, and we get together and we eat and we make Kiddush, what do we do afterwards? We go to learn, we go to daven. The whole point is that we should finish Shabbos after Suda Shabbos to go and getting back together to learning Torah. Halacha, the Dachana number two. That Torah should be read Mondays and Thursdays. Ezra was the one that was Masakin. This Takana was from way before Ezra. The Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, and quoting a Pasik that we have in Parshas B'Shalach, right after the Shira Sayam, that Vayelchu Shloishis Yom Bamidbar, that the Eden were going three days in the desert. And they didn't find water, and that's where the Torah says we got to Maram, and the whole mess that happened, that the waters that were bitter became sweet. So says the Braisa, those who expand. The Psukim, the word Rashim, also sometimes refers to sealed. Something that's sealed. So those people who knew how to reveal that which is hidden or sealed in the Torah, they explained that the words Mayim ain't Mayim Elotayram. Shinevat, as it says, a pasuk in Yeshaya, Hoi, Ho, called Samei, whoever is thirsty, Luchulamayim, go to water, meaning go to learn Torah. And now going back to the pasuk in Bishalach, the meaning 
that when they went three days without Torah, the Bach adds the words miyad, miyad nilu. They became exhausted. They became weakened. So what happened? The prophets amongst them stood up and they made a takana. That Torah should be read on Shabbos. And there's a suspension, there's a break on Sunday. And 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 the and you read on Monday. Umafsikin shlishi vidivi, and now you have a two-day break, and again vikoidin the chamishi. Umafsikin head of Shabbos, you take a break and head of Shabbos, and then obviously you read the Torah on Shabbos. And all of that is Kadeshilo Yolino Gimel Yamim below Torah. So three days should not go on without us having Torah. No comment on that. Now, there's many points to be made over here. The Iker point here is that this is a Pasuk that's written by Mara. The Torah was not given yet. And there's another question. The question is, is that the Rambam, in Hilchas Tfilah, when he speaks about the Takana of reading the Torah, aside of Shabbos, Mondays and Thursday, he writes that Moshe Rabbeinu was Masakin. And if Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that was Masakin, why is he being called Nevi'im Shebeneim? Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't the Nevi'im Shebeneim. He was the Navi. No one was like Moshe Rabbeinu, and no one will be like Moshe Rabbeinu. So one question is answered with the other. Since the Torah was not given, the status of Moshe Rabbeinu, being a unique Navi, didn't start yet. Moshe Rabbeinu was different than all the other Nevi'im because of Maimed Har Sinai. So Fakir, to, to remind us that yes, it was Takana Moshe, but he made this Takana before the Torah was given. He's not called Moshe Rabbeinu, he's called the Nevi'im, the Nevi'im Shebeneim. Now, how can it be that we were thirsty for Torah before Matan Torah? That's not a big question. First of all, we have Ma'olom Lepasku Yeshiva Ma'avisenu. Remember that? We learned, I think, was it with Yuma? Avram Avinu Yeshiva Yeshiva, and Yitzchak was Yeshiva Yeshiva, and the Shevet Levi had the Torah in Mitzrayim. And there were Nach Mitzvahs that were given Dafka over there in Mara. So the point here, the question is, is that we were reading the Torah Mondays and Thursdays way before Ezra. Answers the Gemara, Me'ikara. The original Takana of Moshe Rabbeinu, of the Nevi'im Shebeneim, was Tiknu Chad Gavra, Tlasa Psuke, that either one person should read three Psukim, Inami Tlasa Gavre, Tlasa Psuke. Or another option was that three people could be called to read, but each reader only read one Pasuk. So you had a total of three Psukim. And the reason why there was always from the beginning the three Psukim, Kenegut Kehanam Luyim V'Yisraelim. But again, it could be one, all three, or one per person. Also, who came along Ezra and he was Misakin, Tulasa Gavri, Vasara Psuki. Yeah, first of all, it's not optional. It has to be three people. And the three people should read together a total of ten Psukim. We learned this in Megillah. And why ten Psukim? Keneged Asara Batlanim. And as Rashi here teaches Asara Batlanim, I'm reading inside Rashi, middle of the Amid. B'nai Adam Kshedim. Batlanim is not a derogatory term. These are kosher people that are that, that don't work. Why? Not because they're lazy. These are people that are going to occupy themselves with the communal work. And one of the things they need to do is they should come earlier to shul. So whenever people want to daven, you have 10 people in the shul to daven. And they get supported from the tzibur. These, these are the uh, ten batlanim. And you have ten psukim, so to say, to give kayach to the ten batlanim. Now, we did learn in Megillah, there's one exception. There was one time that we read the Torah that we don't read ten psukim. 
Remember that one that is? That's on Purim. That Purim morning, the parsha of Ayav Amalek, Kayan, Levi, and Yisrael, each one only reads three psukim. It's the only exception. So you only have a total of nine psukim. And we learned over there that because you read a, a parsha Sholem, from Ayav Amalek until the end of the parsha, you finish the, the topic. But anyways, coming back over here. Ulai, 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 that there, there are hetedim when it comes to the minion, that if you have nine people, plus you have a minor, that sometimes bidiyevid, uh, not to be moicha, you can count them as a minion, so there's one kriya, which is taka, kenege the minion, that nine is enough. Vaitim, gimel. The third takana was vidanen b'sheni yobachamishi, that based in should, should be open for session every Monday and Thursday, and we already learned the toysus. You know, in the places that they were sitting every day, they should continue to sit every day. But even in the places where they, they did not exist, every place should have a basin that's open Monday and Thursday. Why? Because the shechichei, because people are in the cities on Monday and Thursday, so they're there anyway. And why are they there? The asul and mikra b'sifra. They're coming to read Chumash. They're coming to hear Kriya Satraira. So one is built on the other. Since there is a takana. To, to lane in the shul Mondays and Thursdays. So that should be the day where people sit in judgment. And again, this concept that we quoted from the Zoyer, that when there's din here, God can be the merciful one. And therefore it's connected to the time of an Ace Ratzin, that part of the Ace Ratzin is that people are getting together to learn Torah. That actually brings a greater uh, presence of the Shekhinah, and it's a greater Ace Ratzin. And on top of that, if people here are are the ones carrying the banner of Din, it makes Mondays and Thursdays even a greater race. Number four was Shiyu Machapsen Bachamishi Bishabas, that people should launder the clothing on Thursday. Why, says the Gemara, because of Kvait Shabbos. This is important. Again, that Bismane knew that people can launder their clothing through machines, and it's a lot quicker, it's a lot less troublesome. Then, then many people say, Yitaka, don't have to do it on Thursday. You have to make sure that for Shabbos, you'll have your garments ready to covet Shabbos, and it's not going to occupy you a whole day if you leave it for Friday. So you can do it on Friday. Number five, is that people should eat garlic on Erev Shabbos. Either that means Thursday, or it means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Why is that? Because of the mitzvah of having marital relations. As it says, Yitain beitoi, the first capital in Tehillim that it that yields its fruit in its proper time, and what does that refer to? Vam Rabbi Yehuda, veitema. Other people say that Rav Nachman made the following statement. Veitema. Others say that Rav Kahana. Veitema. Rav Yechanan. What does Piriyoi Yitain beitoi allude to? Zeham Meshamish Mitosay Me'erev Shabbos Le'erev Shabbos. That it's ideal that people should have a marital relation when their wives are not anida Friday night. And, as we'll see in a moment, garlic increases the sperm. So the possibilities that that relation will give off fruit is heightened when you have shum. Tundra, and, and, going back to what we quoted, I think, from the Me'idi, Me'ed of Shabbos, Le'ed of Shabbos doesn't necessarily have to mean Friday night. Many people say that goes to Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And if I'm not mistaken, we learned this in Masech the Shabbos, that um, we don't paskin, that you have to make this calculation, but if if you make the cheshben of days of pregnancy, if a couple, if a woman will get pregnant Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, then she won't have her child born on Shabbos. 
this is the majority of cases, if she gets pregnant Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, then the end of her tomb might term might fall out on Shabbos. There is Chilul Shabbos involved when you give birth. Obviously, when a woman is giving birth, then it's Pikuach Nefesh. But that's the whole sugya, whether a person is allowed to do something now, which will lead for them to be in a danger, which will justify them breaking Shabbos, or justify them breaking other mitzvahs. Can you do that from the outset? So there is this concept of a woman, a woman, Dafke getting pregnant again Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, which might mean the end of Shabbos. There are five things that were said regarding garlic. Number one, masbia, it satiates, makes you feel full. Number two, mashchin, it warms you up. Number three, umatzel panim, it brightens your face. Number four, that's negeta arsugya, umar bahazera, it increases the 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 uh, the zeram. And number five. It kills the parasites or the bugs that are in one's intestines. That's a good thing. It instills love. And it eliminates jealousy. These are all the things that come from Shum. The, the sixth enactment. A woman should wake up early and bake bread. In order for poor people to have bread ready. Meaning like this. A poor man is going to go knock on your door. He's going to want to eat. You're making bread anyway. Some people say this refers only to Friday. Some people say this takana was whenever you're baking bread anyway. Have it ready when the poor person wakes up early in the morning. You'll have the bread ready. Both he'll have it quicker. Other Yerushalayim say otherwise, that if an observer will see a poor man knocking on my door and walking away empty-handed, they'll suspect that I'm a stingy person. He walked away empty-handed, maybe I told him, come back in an hour when it's ready. So people should not uh, get the wrong impression. And for the poor man to have food, when, you have, when you're baking bread, break it early. The next takana was, that a woman should wear some sort of breeches or some sort of undergarment. Says the Gemara, Mishum Tzni Usa. What's interesting is the third line in the bottom from the Amid in Rashi, Mishum Tzniyusa means Lehisrachik Min Ho'avedo. Baiter, the eighth Takana. Vishatehei Isha Chayfefes, a woman should comb her hair and then Vitevelas. Frekti Gemara, one second, a woman needing to make sure that there's no Chatzitza between her body and or between her hair and the water is a Takana of Ezra? That she should comb the nuts out or comb potential uh, you know, pieces of dirt in the hair. That's a deraisa, the tanya. And recording a pasik and parshas metzayda, verachatz as besore bamayim, right, that he has to wash his flesh in water, this is before he goes to the mikvah, says the braisa, shaloi yehei dover chaitzes bein besore lamayim. You have to wash before you go to the mikvah for there not to be any foreign substance that will get in the way between your body and between the waters of the mikvah. And more than that, the Baraisa continues, that when it says in the Pasig, Es Pesorei, here we're being Doidish, the Essen, Es Hatafel Pesorei, Omaninu Seyor, that the hair is called that which is Tafel, that which is secondary to your flesh, that if something is on one's hair, and it will separate the waters of the mikvah to the hair, that's also considered Midoi Raisa Echatzitza. So yeah, chafifa means combing the hair. You have to comb the hair regardless. Answers the Gemara, one second. Yes, if there's something on the hair that separates the hair from the waters, that's a chatzitza midairaisa. But who says you have to comb your hair? The Gemara answers, Omri, they said, midairaisa, you have to look at the hair. 
Why do you have to look at the hair? Dilma miktad, maybe it's knotted. And by the way, if many hairs are knotted together, it's less problematic. The real problem is, is when one hair is knotted with itself, because that knot is much smaller, and therefore potentially it's much tighter, and it will not allow here water to get it to touch all of the hair. Masha Enkin, if two hairs are knotted the more with each other, then the larger the knot. Somehow the more open it is. So it, she has to make sure, she has to look for it not to be knotted. Or it might be a bit dirty. And why does she have to look Mishum Because if it's taka knotted or dirty, there'll be a chatzitza. Turning to that pay base on the base. But more than that, she doesn't have to do. If she looked at it and it looked okay, she can go to the mikvah. So the asayiu, Ezra came, the tikkun chafif, and he says, You're mechoyev to comb your hair. Don't just look at it. Comb out the knots and comb out. If there's some dirt, the comb will take it out. Now, just to remind ourselves, these are dinam that are negeel Today it's negeel to anida. When Mashiach is going to come, it's going to be Negei Lamaisa to men that there's something called Makbid and there's something called Reif. And to remind ourselves that Midr even if there's only one or the other, the Tefillah is not kosher. Which means that if there's something on the majority of her body, and according to most Rishayim, the S Besarai, the Seyot, is considered an entity for itself. So if there is something on the majority of her hair that is halachically considered the chatzitza, even if she is not makvet, if it's raiv, chatzitza, midrabanan. Or if there is something on the minority of her body, or on the minority of her hair, but she is makvet, then it's also considered midrabanan a chatzitza. Either raiv or makvet. Now we are machmed lachatchila, that even if it's not raiv and not makvet, which would be most of the shilas that come today. She's not makbit. And it's not on the roiv of her body. We are makbit lachatchila that this is also considered a chatzitza. And all of these shilas today, if a woman will have her nails done, and they're done perfectly. And she's not makbit. She's happy that it's, you know, whatever they put on their nails. And it's only in the minority of the body. Nish makbit, nish roiv. That's the din. Lachatchila, we're machmer that it's not good. Now, bidiyevid, if it's not roiv or makbid, then the tefillah is going to be kosher. And obviously, when it comes to halacha lomaisa, it's very important, especially now with the chasnida, is a dina deraisa, that affect our children, that we should ask her of v'chulay. Vaiter. The enactment number nine, v'shiyiu roichlin machzidin biyari, is that peddlers should be given the permission to go around all the villages and the cities to sell perfume or other types of adornments, (laughs) for women not to become repulsive for their husbands. So we advocate women having the options, if they want, of getting makeup and perfume. The tenth takana of a tikan tefillah, labari keri, and that Ezra was the one that was masakin, that a balkeri should not be allowed to learn Torah without going to the mikvah. Yeah, Ezra was the one that said that a Balkeri has to go to the mikvah. Again, the Yaraisahu. It's an it's an obligation from the Torah. The Chsiv again from Parshas Mitzrayim of the Ishki Seitz Imenu Shech Bazera that if there was a man who had a seminal omission, the Rachatz as Besorei Bamoim answers the Gemara. One second, the Yaraisah that pasuk demanding a Balkeri going to the mikvah is either for him to be allowed to eat truma if he's a kain, or even by a Yisrael. For him to be allowed to eat kachim, or as we know, that if a person is a balkeri, for them to be allowed to go on Machna Leviyah, today, to go on Harabais, you have to go to the mikvah. 
But when it comes to learning Torah, there's no obligation. Also, who came Ezra and taken a fiddle And he was misakin that even for learning Torah, you have to go to the mikvah. Let's read inside the top Torah. This is a very known Torah. We don't paskin like Ezra. That he said, as we will learn both in Reishas Hagez and Chulin, and as we already learned in Mishamesu and Brachas. Now, that that we follow the three elders that held that you don't have to go to the mikvah to learn Torah. Whether Rabbi Huda ben Beseda's statement that we don't obligate people to go to the mikvah is it only that he made away with Takanas Ezra for Divrei Torah, or whether he also made away with Takanas Ezra for davening, that, that's a machlekes rishayim. And we pass in that even for davening, we don't have to go to the mikvah, but here is where there's a minik, the Ramam writes the minik shina, today we call it minik chasidim, to go to the mikvah. Now, what was that? It's not as good as, but it's definitely a lot better than nothing. Now, this is the big question. Everyone knows this. You're kidding. There's a rule. A Beisden can only be mevatel a takana from a prior Beisden if they are gadol b'chachma u'b'minyan. You're speaking about Ezra HaSoifer. Now, about the Tanoim. Tanoim kemalachim. But the Tanoim were not as great as, as the, as the Nevi'im. And Ezra HaSoifer, he was the head of the Anshek Nesses HaGdela. Ve'im toimer v'chi olam Rabbi Yehuda levatel takonas Ezra. So Toysavus gives three answers. Yes, Shloimar, the Dilma Sovar, maybe Rabbi Yehuda held the Loitik and Ezra Davarzeh. Wow, that's an amazing thing. Which means that Rabbi Yehuda ben Beseda heard about that takana, but in his Mesoites it did not come from Ezra. So he felt that he has the right to be mevatalit. Inami, that hisna, it could be that when Ezra made the takana from the beginning, Ezra built into this takana, shekol mishirayt zilavatl yivatl. So there's such a thing that Chachamim made a takana, but from the outset they said that if people later will say that they want to be mevatalit, they should have the power to be mevatalit. And answer number three, and that's important, that the takana of Ezra from the beginning was not neskabal, was not accepted or kept by the majority of the Jewish people. And what makes a takana valid, not only the Chacham, the Rav, the Tana, the Amaira, being in it, but people being it. So it was never kept to begin with. So that's why the Behudah Membe Seda, so to say, said that he formally nullified this takana back in the Gemara. So now that we spoke about ten, so we had the ten Tanaim of Yeshua, and now we had by the Biyashniya the ten takanas of Ezra. Now the Gemara continues regarding ten. There were ten things that were said, ten laws that were put together regarding Number one, that a house does not become permanently sold. And as Rashi reminds us that we have in the Chumash, the difference between a Batei Arichayma and Batei HaChatzerim, that if a person sells a house in a walled city, the seller has the right within the first year of the sale to buy the house back, even if the buyer doesn't want to sell it back. But if the person, if the original owner does not buy it back, does not redeem it in the first year, then it becomes cholot, it becomes permanently owned by the buyer, and it stays with him even on Yoivel. You lost your house. However, if you sell a house in an open city, but it's called Batei Chatzedim, over there the din is, number one, you can always redeem it. And number two, if you don't redeem it, it goes back to you and Yoivel. Now Yerushalayim is a walled city. 
However, the din of Batei Arachayma does not apply to Yerushalayim. In other words, the, the buyer doesn't permanently own a home that he bought. It will always go back to the original seller, but we'll see soon that it's not shot, it goes back to the original seller. That really, our, this Gemara goes according to the Shita that we learned in Yuma, that Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim was not divided amongst the tribes. The other opinion is, is that Yerushalayim was divided amongst the tribes of Yehuda and Binyamin. But if we go that it was Lainus Chalkalushvatim, so there's really no real ownership in Yerushalayim. If you don't own something, then you don't have the right to sell it. Number two, the Einamavia Eglarufa, that if there is an unidentified corpse that's found near a city, unidentified meaning you don't know who the killer is. So there, the, the, the responsibility of the murder falls on the nearer city. If Yerushalayim is the nearer city, so the whole din of being a calf and decapitating the calf of Chuli does not apply to Yerushalayim. Number three, there's a din in the Torah that if, God forbid, the majority of the inhabitants of a city, and for sure if all of them, serve Avedizara, so the people who serve Avedizara are killed with the Becherif. And then all of the belongings are burnt. And that city has to be destroyed and never to be built again. That halacha never applies to Yerushalayim. Number four, ve'enim atama b'negoyim, nigei batim, the whole parasha that if you know, if in the home, on the stones, there's a certain blemish of either green or red. These two colors together are the, are the colors of Tumah. As we see by divine providence, amazing how Tareb is in all of the countries that have a sina towards the Jewish people, that these are their colors, red and green. And likewise, when it comes to Christianity, what are the colors of Kratzmach? It's Avoy Red and green is, are, are, the, are the colors of Tumas Batem, Negei Batem. Now, if such a thing were to happen on the walls of a home in Yerushalayim, then we don't apply the laws. Number five, that you don't allow for beams to protrude from homes, nor for balconies to go over homes. We're speaking here about the old city. Everything will be explained in a moment. Number six, you're not allowed to make a garbage dump in Yerushalayim, which is why the Arabs made by the Kaisal, they made a garbage dump. We're not allowed to do that. Number seven, you're not allowed to have a killing in Yerushalayim. Number eight, you're not allowed to have gardens or orchards. And number, aside of Ginois, aside of the Rose Garden, and here, according to Samri Shainim, we're speaking about a specific garden that was called Ginois, the Rose Garden that was there from the days of the Nevi'im Rishainim. And they had it there because they needed it for the Ketairis. As Rashi brings down over here, that Kipasayardain refers to a rose. And number nine, you're not allowed to raise chickens. This is the din that we learned in the Mishnah Ayin Tess. Because chickens, they peck in garbages and they might take in their beaks and their mouths a part of a dead sheretz. And eight, the eight sheretzim that are dead give off tumah. And then they can take that add some kisa'ayra and touch it to the kachim that was found in Yerushalayim. And number 10, that you don't allow for a maze to be unburied overnight. And even though, as all the Rishayim say, that halanas hamez, l'kavit hamez, is everywhere, everywhere there's an exception that l'kvoidoy shel mez, or you want the family members to come, we make exceptions, allowing to the delaying of the burial. In Yerushalayim, even to the covet of the maze, if someone is in Yerushalayim, he has to be buried the day that he passed away. You can't allow the night to go over with him being unburied. But now the Gemara is going to go and it's going to explain all these 10 
dinim of Yerushalayim. So din number one was ein habayis that a house never becomes permanently sold. Tichsev quoting the pasuk in Parshas Bahar, speaking about a sale of bati arichayma v'kam habayis asholay chayma latzmisus, and the home in the walled city shall pass to the buyer. Litzmisus means to to chayis perpetuity forever. To whom? Lakaina oisai to the one who bought it. And that's going to be the key word. Lederaisa forever. Lakaina oisai means you have to be able to buy it. So says our Gemara that these ten, many of them are connected to the rule, like we spoke out. And we have a machlekes in Yuma, dafyud base. Whether Yerushalayim was divided amongst the tribes of Yehuda Minyamin, or Yerushalayim is a city that belongs to all the Jewish people, which might be the source. That the Goyim understand that Yerushalayim is like a, it's not an international city, it's a Jewish city that belongs to all B'nai Yisrael, belongs to everyone. Because we hold that when is Yerushalayim So therefore you never had ownership. So if you never had ownership, you can't sell something. So you can't say, he bought what? Remember that the whole Din and Yuma, that really they couldn't charge rentals. The people who lived there couldn't charge rent. So when people were ill and regal, if I'm not mistaken, the Chachamim were masakin, that they should get paid rent, that all of the hides of the karbanas that they brought for oil Sri'iyah, for Shalmei Chagiga, should be given to the, to the, to the um, Balabatim. But rent you can't charge because you don't own it. Number two, likewise, Ve'ein Mevi'a Egla Rufa, it's all based on the same concept because it says, at the end of Parsha Shoftim, Ki Matzal Cholol Ba'adama, if you find a person that was slain, laying on the ground, where? Asher Hashem in an area that Hashem gave to you to inherit. Here's the same thing. So therefore, the whole din that we have later in Shreftim is inapplicable. Number three, that it cannot become a wayward city. Here, recording the parsha in Re'ei, where it says, and you kill the people, they're killed, the belongings are burnt, and the city has to be destroyed. So, again, Yerushalayim is not an individual city. Number four, What's Because it says in Parshas Metzayda, V'nosati Negotzara'as, Bebeis, Eretz Achuzaschem, again in the land of your Achuzah, the land of your possession, and Yerushalayim, according to this Balhamemra, Number five was Bazizin that you're not allowed to allow for beams or balconies to protrude from the homes. Why? Like this. Beams cannot protrude because there might be a Kazais, we just had the Sanambam, right? Even a Kazais from a maze. Gives off to Masoil. And a Kazais Menames is a piece of flesh that you might not see. And if there's going to happen to be a Kazais Menames under a beam, you just, you're upping the possibilities, especially in Yerushalayim, where you had Kachim there, that things will become Tameh, your people will become Tameh, and God forbid they're going to enter the Makam Migdash, or they're going to eat Kachim. And that's, and be, and Veloi Umishum, Veloi Litasko, Oi So I think the, 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 the balconies is for Oil Now the beams, the beams used to protrude on the ground level. So when you're walking down the streets, think about it, it's not the, the Harchava. The old, we know the old city of Yerushalayim. If you have a beam protruding from the walls of the homes on a lower level, then people can get hurt. 
when there's a large group of people going down the beautiful seats of Yerushalayim, so nothing should be protruding that can hurt people. The sixth din is ve'ein oisin ba'ashpasis. You're not allowed to make garbage heaps mishum shkatsim because a garbage heap attracts all types of creeping animals, including the shmoyne shkatsim. It's connected to tumah, and they die, and when they die, they give off tumah. People might not know that there's a dead from the shmoyne shkatsim, and they'll become tummy. Number seven, ve'ein oisin ba'kif shaynois. You can't have killings in the city mishum kutra because of smoke. In other words, either not to dirty the beautiful Avna Yerushalayim, or people wanted to see the smoke of the Ketairas, which was the only smoke in Yerushalayim. And if you're going to have other institutions that have chimneys that are giving off smoke, it takes away from the Gavaldic height of the Ketairas. Number eight, you can't make gardens or orchards, Mishum Sircha. Mishum Sircha, Rashi gives two explanations. Either Sircha means there's a stench, why will you have a stench? Because when plants die, you know, you have a whole garden. So plants are living, plants die. When they die, they give off a bad smell. Or because of the fertilizer that's needed to properly fertilize a garden or an orchard. And again, aside of that gan that was always there, gino is viradin, and they needed it for, the, for, the, for one of the, for the kipasayadi. Number nine, we learned this in the Mishnah, and as we learned, Mishum Kachim. Because the Tana in Yerushalayim, you have kachim, kachikalim, I eat them in the whole city. And Tana Nagayim can make him, can be having in their mouth a etzim kisa'ida, min hameis, can be metama the kachim. And the tenth is ve'ein malinen ba hameis. You're not allowed to allow even lekvayt hameis for someone to go overnight without him being buried. Here the Gemara says that is Gemara. That's already a tradition. We don't know the reason for that. Even like Kvayit Hamez, it's a Gemara. Yeah, you have the famous Vart that when Avina and Avashi, when they finished compiling the Gemara, I think this might come from the Gra, that they wanted to make sure that the, the, the Gemara is good. So they gave it off, they, they sent it to Shamayim. And Hashem sent it back, and that's Gemara. Gavriel, Mechoel, Rafael, Uriel. These four Malachim. They confirmed. They signed it. They said it's good. Now we're going back to the Mishnah. We learned in the Mishnah made a decree that no one is ever allowed to raise swines. We learned in Abraisa. Now first of all, before we go on quoting the reason for it, so look inside the Toysavis, right in the beginning of the wide lines. Right, the third to last Toysavis in the Amid. So Toysavis asks, why are we looking for reasons why you cannot be Megadal Chazedim? We know that you're not allowed to make business with uh, non-kosher food. So of course you can't be Megadal Chazedim. So Toysavis clarifies that Rabbein Tam says, yeah, you can't do business if your purpose is selling the treif for food. No one is allowed to do that. But when it comes to people owning items that cannot be eaten, but you're not selling it for food, like you're selling it for the, for the, for the chazer fats and stuff like that, that is not included in the Isra that you're not allowed to do schayda with Dover HaAsr. It's only Lachila. So now the question is, why can't you raise chazerim? You can raise them and sell them, not for food. You can sell them for many other purposes, which normally you would be allowed. So Tanarabana on the first white line in the Gemara, we learned the following. Now we had a very similar Gemara in Saita, 
At the end of Saita, there are some differences. Here, let's learn the following. That when there was an inner fight between members of the Hashmonoi family, so Alexander Yanai, when he passed away, again, if this is the Alexander Yanai, the one that killed all the Chachamim, the one that we learned about him before, he was not a good person, he passed away, his wife took over the kingdom. Oh, so she, Alexandra Shloimi. And when she passed away, they had two children. Hurkanus was the Bukhar, and Aristobulus was the second son. And normally the Bukhar should be the king. But, the, but Aristobulus did not become subservient to his older brother. So Hurkanus ended up being inside Yerushalayim. But his brother, his younger brother Aristobulus, was outside Yerushalayim. Aristobulus was the one that ultimately invited Pompey, the Roman general, who joined Aristobulus, fighting against Hurkunus. That is how the Romans got their foothold in Eretz Yisrael. So says the Gemara, says the Braisa, being that there was a siege from Aristobulus, from the Romans, from Pompey, so we didn't have access to have the lambs or the goats that were needed for the Karbanais, for the Karban Tamid. So every day, the people in the city used to lower from the on top of the wall to outside the city a bucket filled with coins, and that was being given in order to buy the animals needed for the Beis Amigdash, particularly for the carbon tamid. There was an elder person in Yerushalayim that was a traitor. He was siding with the Romans outside Yerushalayim. And he knew the Greek wisdom, and as we learned this already in Saita, that there's the Greek language, but then there's a certain type of esoteric, what's called Chachma Yivanis, that the, the people, only unique people, only the aristocrats used to know how to use, and he wanted to speak to the soldiers outside the city without wanting the Yerushalmi to know what he's saying. Because he wasn't siding with the Yerushalmis, he was siding with the people outside the city. So he communicated secretly to them by telling them, As long as the Yidin are bringing the Karbanais of Tamid, you'll never win the siege. God is going to protect us. So why are you helping them bring the Karbanais? And they accepted what he said. So the next day, when we were when we put, when we gave the, the, the exorbitant price, we gave them a bucket filled with cash. Instead of putting in a lamb or a goat, they put a pig. Now, when the pig came out to the height of the wall, now the people that were schlepping him into Yerushalayim didn't see what's in the bucket. And a chazer has a nature that when he's being schlepped to a place where he doesn't want to go, he fights it. So he stuck, not the partner of Bechayim, he stuck his hooves into the wall, and when his da'azah, Eretz Yisrael, and the whole land of Israel trembled, there was an earthquake. And as we have in Chazal, that what is the size of Eretz Yisrael? Arba meyes parsa, al arba meyes parsa, the whole Israel shook. So at that moment, Amnu the sages said, Arur ha'ish yigadl chazerim, cursed is the man that raises pigs. And they also said, v'arur ha'adam, and cursed is the adam, that teaches the son, Chachmas Yivanes, the wisdom of the Greeks. Second to last line, we just reminded ourselves that we learned this in Saita. Now in Saita, we had the story, not by the war of the Chashmanaim. For us, Adam Shilamad Benoi, Chachmas Yivanes, Vim Taimar, Bahaloi, Bepulmus, Shaltitus Gazru. 
we had this Gemara that when Titus made the campaign to destroy Yerushalayim, which was more than 100 years after the story we were mentioning here, that is where they made the Takana, not to teach your son. Chachmas Yivan is, this is Taisus' question. So the one answer of Taisus is, is that they made this Takana during this time, but the people did not accept it. Going back to what we learned before by Ezra's Takana. And then they, they reenacted this decree, the Pulmos Shal Titus. Another answer says Taisvis, Inami have a boy, have a boy, in other words, before they made a decree, and, but they didn't curse a person. When the Mishnah says at Saita that the Pumashal Titus, what they added was that they added a curse on people who violate this decree. Let's go back in the Gemara. Valoisa Shoshanino, second to last line. And at that time we learned that Maisa Shuba Oimer Miginois Hatsrifim, Vishtehalachami Bikas Ein Soicher. The Oimer carbon was normally brought from produce, from barley that grew near Yerushalayim. The Shtehalachem that's brought on Shvuas is brought from wheat, from produce that grows near Yerushalayim. But it was because of that siege that was happening by Pompey, together with Aristobulus against Hurkinus, being that the soldiers were all around Yerushalayim, part of the, what they do is, is that they ganva everything and they eat up everything. There wasn't any produce near Yerushalayim, which was why we learned that there was a time that they brought to Aymer from a faraway place, a place that's called Ginoi Satsrifim or Gagoi Satsrifim, you know, the, the gardens of the shanty towns, favelas, or the roofs, or a place called Ein Seicher. The point is that the reason why they didn't bring it close is because of the siege. Let's hop around another few lines. Did the Chachamim Aser people learning the wisdom of the Greeks? We learned in Abraisa, Amar Ebi, that the Eretz Yisrael, turning to the Pegimel, Lashen Sursi Lama. The fact was that in Israel, the Yidin had a certain unique Aramaic dialect that's called Sursi. Talmud Yerushalmi is written in Russian Sursi. So Rebbe says, why should people speak Sursi? What is the better alternative? Rebbe said, Oy Lashon HaKadosh, Oy Lashon Yavanis. They should speak pure Lashon HaKadosh, or they should speak Lashon Yavani. Rashi here says on top of the Amid, because who Lashon Tzach, it's a pure Lashon. In Sveita, Rashi says that Lashon Yavani is a beautiful language. Back in the Braith, Rabbi Yossi said likewise in Bavel, Bavel they had an eastern dialect of Aramish. And why did they speak uh, that? Lashon Arami Lamam. This is the Lashon of Talmud Bavli. He said, Oi Lashon HaKadosh, that they should ideally either speak Lashon HaKadosh or Lashon Parsi. They should speak uh, Persian. And here's where Rashi says on Parsi, look inside the second line, that Lashon Noam. It's a beautiful language. Maybe the Persian of today is a different language. But anyways, Rashi says it's a beautiful language. So the point is that the, 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 he's saying, Rebbe is saying they should speak either Lashon HaKadosh and Eretz Yisrael or Lashon Yavani. And here we're learning that there was a Takana made. This is before the Zman of Rebbe. It began, as we learned in Tresus, it began uh, by the times of the Hashmonaim. Maybe it was reiterated by the by Pumar Shaltitus. So answers the Gemara Amri, Lashon Yavani Luchod, Chachmas Yavanis Luchod. Don't confuse the language. The language of Greek is permissible. And Lashon Tzach, or as we have it by the Rishonim and Saita, it's the beautiful. What did they answer the esoteric wisdom of the Greeks? And we'll stop off here, we'll continue tomorrow.